The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hello, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso, and I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thanks for joining me today. We have a great show coming up. I'm looking forward to it, and I I hope you are too. Today, I want to talk about how food does or doesn't affect your milk. You know, so often I see mothers with fussy babies, and they ask, is it something I ate? (laughs) Now, admittedly, what you ate may have an effect on your milk, but honestly, I think you'll be surprised to hear what's truth and what's fiction about the food that you may eat and how it may or may not affect your milk. So I'm going to start out the first segment today talking about how food actually does affect your milk always in in a way that I know is going to surprise you because you're not going to expect me to say this. I'm going to say that what I think you can always depend on is that food affects the sensory qualities of your milk. And this is not harmful. It's good. When you eat food that is very distinct in some way, it has some very strong pigmented color, or it has a strong odor, or it has a strong taste, what you will find is that that will affect the smell of your milk, it affects the color of your milk, and it affects the taste of your milk. And this is one of the things that mothers often really don't understand. I would also say Look sometime when you eat something that is particularly colorful or particularly odorous. For example, maybe asparagus. Maybe when you eat asparagus, you use the ladies' room later and you realize that you've got this really funny-smelling urine. If you're the kind of person who has that funny-smelling urine, you will probably be the kind who can very quickly tell the smell that your milk has after you have a food that is particularly odorous. So it might be something like, for instance, garlic or onions. Very, very odorous. And in fact, these odors are really a good thing because babies rely so much more on the odor of food, whereas we really don't. 
Now, let's face it. If we need food, we don't have to go out and uh, look under the ground to find the carrots to dig them up because our nose tells us they're there. No, we just head on down to the local grocery store and we buy them. But if you were a baby, it would be different. You would need to use your nose to find your food. And so even though you may not smell your milk, your baby will, especially if it has this particularly um, strong odor. Now, color is yet another thing. You might, for example, have noticed that sometimes you have milk that is like a pink or maybe kind of an orange pink. And I would suggest that if you do, you might ask yourself, did I drink some orange soda? (laughs) It might be something just as simple as that. Now, the orange soda contains the red and the yellow dyes. Or perhaps you ate some beets, and that also can give milk that pinkish, reddish, orangish kind of a color. Now, here's one that is my favorite, and that is green milk. If you have green milk, I will bet you a cookie that you had a drink of that green Gatorade. That's one that has been clearly shown in the literature as well as from a lot of personal experience. I will tell you that Gatorade is the first thing that comes to my mind when somebody says, I've got green milk. Uh, Maybe they drank a margarita. There's another one that could make your milk kind of on the green side. Uh, one woman in particular said that she had no reason for the green. No, no, no. She had not had the Gatorade. She had not had any of the sea kelp or any of that stuff. No, no, no. But turned out that the night before had been St. Patrick's Day. And what did she have? Ha ha. She had green beer. And it was the green beer that was making her milk that green color. I knew of one woman who had sort of a green-tinged milk almost all of the time. And as she said to me herself, I'm the poster child for eating green vegetables. To which I chuckled and I thought, well, that's true. She really does eat a lot of green vegetables. So for her, that was the source of what was making her milk green. On the other hand, as, as many of you know, I do a lot of teaching to professionals, nurses, lactation consultants, dietitians, doctors. And so I'm always looking for a picture of green milk. And so one day I asked one of my friends if she would please eat all of the green vegetables she could possibly find and see if it would turn her milk green. But guess what? For her, it didn't do it. So just remember that those things may or may not be a sensory quality of your milk. But absolutely, what you eat can affect the color of your milk. Here's another one. Maybe you've had kelp or some other form of seaweed. That might be another explanation for your green milk. Now, I'm really concentrating on food today, but actually, you could have black milk. I know it sounds really creepy, but black milk has been related to a medication. It's minocycline. So if you find that you have black milk, don't freak out. It could be just that. Another woman talked about her orange milk 
And she was very eager to report that she's married to the sweet potato farmer. So guess what? (laughs) She has often an orange-tinged milk. So one of the things that I would like to encourage you to recognize is if your milk is a funny color, almost always it's probably due to a food. And that's usually the first line of questioning that I would give to mothers. If it's not that, that, then it could be some sort of medication that she's on. And there again, you could have yellow milk or something else. Uh, You also could perhaps have some infection, but that is very unlikely. I would be going, first of all, for, yes, what you eat does have an effect on your milk, and the color of your milk is a biggie. Here's another one. The flavors of food. Ah, we're right back to that strong, strong, strong. Marie, is it okay if I eat onions? Is it okay if I eat spicy burritos? Is it okay if I eat garlic? Yes, 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 yes. All of that is by way of saying those things are good. They are good for you. You like them. Your baby probably already likes them. And honestly, most of the time, there is no need to worry about what you're eating because it will not necessarily, quote, bother the baby. Now, I will admit that there are some kids that it does bother them if their mother eats onions or something. And, but I, I will tell you this, too. Sometimes I found that when I talk to the mother, she says, well, onions actually bother me, but I had them on my blinkety-blunk sandwich because somebody made my sandwich and put the onions on it or whatever. And as I hear that story, it always seems to me that there's some correlation, if not in the research, at least just from stories that mothers report about how if it bothers them, sometimes it really does bother their baby. But this is also a good thing. The people that have really done a lot of work with this are researchers Beauchamp and Manella, or sometimes it's Manella and Beauchamp, they have done a lot of publishing about the flavors and odors of milk. And one of the things that they found is, for example, with garlic, babies actually take more sucks when the mother has eaten garlic. They went on some years later to do a study where they found that, in fact, babies were more likely to accept vegetables when their mother their breastfeeding mother, had eaten a lot of vegetables. Why? Because those flavors were familiar to them. They did a study, for example, where they gave the mother carrot juice. And then the breastfed babies subsequently actually preferred foods or milk that were mixed with carrot juice as opposed to just plain. So, It's very interesting that, in fact, babies not only see them, they like them. It's it's terrific. It's a great way to introduce your your baby to the foods that are going to be found in his home, the things that you're cooking, the things you would put on your table, and the things you're going to ask him to be eating later. I'm thinking of one particular woman who said that her baby was, I want to say, like eight months old. And she said, I can't believe I just gave her a piece of salmon last night. And she ate it. 
And I said, well, why does that surprise you? She said, well, I didn't think a kid would eat salmon. I said, did you eat a lot of salmon during the time that you were pregnant? And she said, oh, yes, as a matter of fact, I did. And I said, hmm, you're probably eating salmon while you're breastfeeding too. Oh, yes, I do. Well, guess what? This is a baby who has had continual, repeated exposure to the salmon. Of course she ate it. It was familiar to her. So what I'd really like to impress upon you then is that these things are good. It is good that, in fact, children have these taste experiences, flavor experiences, experiences with the odor. These are good things. But honestly, most of the time, the things that mothers worry about, for instance, did it make my baby gassy? Most of the time, those gassy foods actually don't make your baby feel gassy at all. And that's because those so-called gassy foods don't create gassy milk. And why would that be? Well, there's actually a very simple explanation for that. You know, foods don't just jump into the milk whole. A whole florette of broccoli doesn't just jump into the milk. The mother processes it in her own body. And while it may be gassy for the mother because of the normal flora that it takes to break down that fiber in her intestinal tract, not the case with her milk. In the milk, it's already broken down. So anyway, what we've been talking about here is just that babies do, in fact, have these early flavor experiences, the color, the odors. These things are very common. Now, when we come back, we're going to be talking about some of the things you were thinking about, which is the gassy issues. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed. We'll be back right after this short break. Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus Drug Discount Card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies, but 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word TALK RADIO to 96362. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're a part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the World Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed with Marie Biancuso. Now, before we were took the break, we were talking about those foods that are have the ability to be reflected in the color and the odor and the taste of your milk. I did not mention a couple of other things that I frequently get asked about, and that is the the so-called gassy foods. And I was saying that, in fact, the gassy foods really don't produce gas in your milk. However, cruciferous vegetables have in at least one study that I'm aware of, and actually that study is fairly old by now, there are some babies that object to cruciferous vegetables. And by that, I mean things like broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, those sorts of things. And a lot of babies have absolutely no trouble with these things at all. But some mothers do report, and the research does show in at least one study that, in fact, that may be bothersome for some babies. But I will tell you that for many mothers, they can eat the whole field full of broccoli, and it doesn't bother their baby one bit. I think it's important to acknowledge that babies are, in some ways, just like adults. Some things bother them, some things don't, whether it's food or something else. So don't assume that because it bothered your last baby or your neighbor's baby that it's going to bother your baby. But absolutely get rid of the idea that gassy foods will make gassy milk because there's absolutely no proof for that whatsoever. Sometimes people will ask me too about high fatty foods. If I eat fatty foods, will it make my milk more have more fat? No, it actually does alter the fatty acid profile a bit, but I don't think that's anything that anybody needs to worry too much about one way or the other. What about highly sweet foods? Does it make the milk sweeter? No, it doesn't make the milk sweeter at all. Again, remember that the sugary food does not just jump into your milk. Another one that is sometimes a question is about honey. Is it okay for the mother to have honey? Because we know that babies shouldn't have it because of the risk of botulism. However, the honey does not jump from the mother's tongue into her milk. So it's okay 
to give to, to breastfeed the baby, even if you yourself have just consumed the honey. Now, another thing that people ask about is about highly acid foods. Does it make your milk acidy? And the answer is no, it really doesn't. Now, there may be some kids that might object to it. But again, I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time worrying about that. I would just eat my tomatoes or my whatever and not worry too much about that at all. Uh, One that's interesting, though, is what I guess I would call a highly flavorful food, and that is the red pepper, for example. The, The baby, if the mother ingests the red pepper, there have been documented cases where the breastfed infants have, even within an hour of ingesting the milk, they have had some kind of a rash on their skin that will last for a bit. So that's something where I would suggest that if you're worried about that, there really might be some some cause for worry. But I wouldn't give up my food. I would just wait and see how it goes. Red pepper is very common in kimchi and some other Korean foods, as well as certainly other foods, but that occurs to me right off the bat. So basically what I'm trying to say to you here is, I wouldn't worry too much about these things. You know, another one that occurs to me is sometimes when mothers eat a lot, and I'm talking about a lot of fruit in the summer, when melons are in season and there are other fruits that are in season, that can bother a baby. If It, it can give the baby some diarrhea if the mother really eats a lot, but I think you've really got to eat a lot in order for it to be a problem. Chocolate rarely, rarely lives up to its reputation, Dr. Ruth Lawrence told me one time, and that is so true. I will not tell mothers that they have to give up their chocolate. I think that's a really dumb idea. Personally, I'm not a big fan of chocolate, so I'm speaking without bias here, I think. But for many mothers, chocolate is their comfort food. You can have chocolate if you think that it it doesn't actually contain caffeine. It contains theobromine, which is a similar thing to caffeine. I usually kind of lump them together, but technically they're different. So it can cause the baby to be somewhat wakeful if it bothers the baby. But for many mothers, I know of one woman who said, I can eat the whole box of chocolate and it doesn't bother my baby at all. So again, I, go, I would go back to chocolate rarely lives up to its expectation or, or its reputation rather. So that brings about, well, what about coffee? Honestly, as long as you don't chug a whole lot of coffee and drink it one cup right after the other, as long as you're not chain coffee cupping, if you can keep it under a couple of cups a day, it should be just fine. If you feel like your baby is wakeful, well then, it's a problem. I usually, when mothers say to me, do you think that it bothers my baby? My, usually my big answer is, well, I don't know. Do you think it bothers your baby? So then, let me go towards the things that actually might be a problem. And one would be an allergic reaction. Is it possible for babies to have allergic reactions? Absolutely. Allergies can come or go at any time. And babies can also outgrow them. I would caution you, however, that food sensitivities usually happen in the small baby just because he is, hello, little. 
his gut, his stomach, his GI tract is very immature. So he might not be able to deal with certain foods quite as well and might have an allergy to the food. Now, there are several well-known allergens that all of us tend to be, like if you're going to be allergic to something, what would it be? And that list would be things like cow's milk protein, eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, fish, shellfish, soy, and wheat. Those are sort of the big eight. But for little kids, I would add corn. I do not have any research to back that up. Just a lot of anecdotal reports from mothers. So remember that corn is is not just corn on the cob. It can be in other products as well. It can be sort of hidden, if you will. And by the way, same with the dairy. That can be hidden. So what I would say is understand that those are common substances that do cause an allergic reaction. But there are any number of other things that could be responsible for the allergic reaction. It might be, for an example, not the food itself, but the chemicals that the food was exposed to. It might be something in the environment that has absolutely nothing to do with what the baby's eating. It might be the fact that the baby is eating at the same time, or maybe even you're eating, chicken or something where the animal has been given an antibiotic. And so what the baby is reacting to is the medication, not really the food itself. So any of those things are worth considering. I would caution you, however, that the most common allergen is cow's milk protein. And notice I said it's the cow's milk protein, not the other parts of the the cow's milk. That is the most likely source of a food allergy if you're going to have one. Very often what I see is that mothers are eating tons and tons and tons of dairy. It's the milk and the yogurt and the cheese and on and on and on. And so one of the first things that I wonder about is, is it the cow's milk protein in and of itself, or is it that they're eating a ton of it? And maybe the baby would do just fine if it weren't like so abundant. Most of the time, it seems to me, both from the literature and from my personal experience, that as we know, an allergy can develop at any time. But quite frequently, what happens is that it's right around that four to five week neighborhood when a mother calls me and tells me about these stomachy symptoms that the baby is having. And so I would suggest if you see that your baby is having that gastrointestinal distress and it's around that four, three to excuse me, around that four to five week neighborhood, I would kind of wonder if maybe that is an allergy, but I would wonder about other things as well. It does not have to be an allergy. So let me just say that one of the things that you should look for is what are the other signs and symptoms that the baby is having? Is he fussy after a feeding? Does he cry for a long period? And does he, when, when he wakes, does he suddenly have that apparent discomfort? Like it just kind of comes out of nowhere. That sounds to me like a stomach something. And so I would be then wondering if it were perhaps allergy related. 
Let me say quickly that allergies always show up in one of three ways. It's either the respiratory tract or the GI tract or the skin. I would say that most times with most babies, what most parents notice is the GI, the gastrointestinal, the stomach and the intestinal kind of a thing. So if you see that the baby has not only the fussiness, but also that gastrointestinal kind of distress, then you might be thinking about something that was an allergy. Let me say that sometimes that cow's milk protein allergy, you'll also sometimes see blood in the stool. Do not just say, oh, well, my baby has an allergy. Do not say that. Say blood in the stool needs to be evaluated by the pediatrician. You cannot just assume that it is an allergy, and I cannot stress that enough. Okay, then, what we've talked about are some highly fatty foods, highly acidic foods, highly sweet foods, and foods that are highly likely to be an allergen. I'll give you a few minutes to think about what we've just said during this segment, and I'll ask you to stay tuned for when we come back, and we'll be talking a little bit more about the stomach distress, so to speak. We'll be right back after this short break. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuso. Now, before the break, we were talking about some common allergens, that is, foods that the mother might ingest, which then when the the foods are distributed in her milk, that the baby might react to or be allergic to or have a sensitivity to. I mentioned a whole list of the eight most common things, and the one I really want to pick up with here is peanuts because people frequently ask me about peanuts. If the mother consumes peanuts or other nuts during pregnancy or breastfeeding, does it impact the allergy risk for the baby? And the answer is, you know, we really don't know. The literature is very mixed on this. The American Academy of Pediatrics suggests that lactating mothers with infants who are at high risk for developing allergies should avoid the peanuts and the tree nuts. And they should also perhaps consider eliminating eggs, cow's milk, and fish from their diets. Now, that is a consideration but I wouldn't spend my whole life worrying about it. So that brings us then to how do we know if the infant is at high risk for developing an allergy to that particular substance? Well, guess what? If the mother or the father is allergic to peanuts, that should be an indicator. Here's another thing. In one study, they actually showed that if the baby's sibling was allergic to the peanuts, the baby was more likely to be allergic to the peanuts. But I would also tell you that sometimes a mother has had a baby, let's say she has, I can think of one mother right off the bat. She had one baby number one who had no allergies whatsoever. Baby number two who was allergic to seemingly everything. And baby number three, you can imagine mother was worried, but honestly, that baby wasn't allergic to anything. So while in theory, the baby is at higher risk for developing that allergy, that doesn't necessarily mean he will. This is another reason why I go back to eat what you want, eat what you want, So many times, breastfeeding mothers are told, you can't eat this, you shouldn't eat that, and if you eat the other thing, your baby is going to be wakeful or fretful or gassy or whatever. And honestly, most of the time, there's just no way to predict what baby is going to have what sensitivity or what reaction. So I tell mothers, eat what you want and figure it out. If, If it starts to be a problem, then figure it out. But I would say that particularly with the peanuts, there does seem to be some caution by the AAP that lactating mothers with infants at high risk for developing those allergies should avoid the peanuts 
and the tree nuts. And by the way, when I say tree nuts, I mean things like uh, almonds, cashews, that sort of thing. And the AAP says also consider eliminate the eggs, the cow's milk, and the fish. And I would say I would put the cow's milk probably up higher on the list if somebody asked me. Very frequently, people who are allergic to peanuts, which would be more appropriately called ground nuts, they're really a legume. People who are allergic to peanuts are also frequently allergic to tree nuts, things like almonds or cashews. So then, that's probably as much as I want to say about allergies per se. But I would like to bring you maybe a step further and say there are things that are, for lack of a better term, possible offenders. For example, we've talked about the allergy. If the mother is allergic to something, then maybe the baby would be allergic to that. Okay. Another one is things that bother the mother. I mentioned the onions. Or honestly, some mothers will drink milk because they think that they need to have milk if they're breastfeeding. Actually, they really don't. They need a good source of calcium and vitamin D, but that does not necessarily need to come from the milk. Because again, I would caution you, and I know those of you who listen to my show regularly have heard me say this before, and I'm sure I will say it many times again, that in fact, Humans are the only species on the planet that deliberately drink the milk of another species. So the human body is really not designed to consume the cow's milk. Not the mother and, hello, not the baby. I would also say look for some other possibilities to explain some allergy that the baby has. Now, go back to what I said a few minutes ago about how the allergy can show up in the GI system, the respiratory system, or the skin. Certainly, if a baby has some sort of a skin reaction, and I mentioned the red pepper, I can think of other things as well where the baby has some sort of a skin reaction, and sometimes the mother doesn't even know what it is. But you should also consider, is it really something that the baby or the mother is consuming in terms of food, or is it something else? For example, I can think of one mother for whom we went through the whole discussion about the food, but I suggested that perhaps it could be the wool diaper covers that she was using on the baby, especially because it was right there kind of on the baby's thighs. And lo and behold, that did seem to be the problem because when she got rid of those, the baby did get better. But as I'm sure you probably know, anything like that does not go away in a day or two. So that also needs to be something to consider. Uh, I was also thinking that it might be, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. So this would also probably prompt you to say, well, Marie, if it really is something that is food, how long will it be before the symptoms show up in the baby? And honestly, I cannot find a good research-based answer for that. Now, usually they say, 
around 4 to 24 hours after ingestion. But that also is associated with colic. And colic is really not attributed to a food sensitivity. If we knew the exact cause of colic, well, we'd all be better off, wouldn't we? We'd all be happier parents, happier professionals, but we really don't know. So I'm not really sure that there is a good basis for that. What I would say is that if mothers need to cut out a food, it can take several days before it's really cleared out. But I would strongly suggest that mothers not have a complete dietary overhaul. Not at all. Really try and look at, is it something that you're eating on a regular basis? And does your baby seem bothered on a regular basis? Or is it something that perhaps you ate some, I was trying to think of this mother that told me one time about this funny thing that she had on her pizza, and it just didn't sound, it did not sound good to me at all. I liked the one food and I liked the other food, but I could not imagine eating them together. That didn't sound good to me. I can imagine that that might have been something that might not have agreed with the baby. And sure enough, there was some oh, she's never behaved quite this way before, but when I ate this pizza with this stuff on it, I'm sorry, I can't remember what it was. There, what you've got is more of an isolated incident. So there, you really might have some basis for thinking this is attributed to a food. But very often, what you're dealing with here is the fact that you've got a baby who has a very immature GI system, and it could be just that that's speaking, or it could be that he's fussy for any number of other reasons. So try to think about, is this an isolated event? Is this something where the mother needs to stop eating whatever it is? Or scoop. One woman one day told me, I've given up this and this and this and this and the other thing. And when she got all through, I remember saying to her, So tell me exactly what it is that you are still eating, because that to me, that eliminates like most things. And she said, honestly, Marie, I think the only thing that I'm eating right now is junk food and sodas. And which, by the way, you've got to be careful with the sodas if they've got a lot of caffeine in them. Remember that coffee or tea is not the only thing that's caffeinated. So again, I would urge you, have some common sense and don't give up everything you feed, you like just because you think it's going to bother your baby. The foods that mothers eat are often blamed as the culprit, and I would say in most cases are actually not the culprit. So then, what I've really tried to do for you here is to look at some other explanations and to look at things like peanuts that are a known allergen and to really urge you to look at exactly what's going on and then figure out how to react, but not to do a complete overhaul of what you're eating and certainly not to give up everything you love. Okay, then, when we come back, I will be wrapping up with the strategies for how to deal with some of the behaviors that you might see that might be bothersome to you and see if maybe we can strategize for how to help you and your baby 
I'm Marie Biancuso with Born to be Breastfed. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes' work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed with Marie Biancuso. Just before the break, we were talking about those food sensitivities that, in fact, some babies, but certainly not all, might have a reaction to. And I was suggesting that you eat what you want, which, of course, leads me right into my last segment for recommendations. I have what I believe are four major recommendations for you if you think that the baby is fussy because of what he ate, or I suppose more to the point, what you ate. The first strategy is eat what you want. Most babies are not bothered by foods, and there is no list of forbidden foods. You should eat as much as you normally would eat of that food. And remember that unless the baby has some clear-cut symptoms, you should just continue to eat what you're eating. A super huge alteration in your diet is rarely, if ever, necessary. The second one would be manage the fussiness. 
determine if the reason for the baby's fussiness is really food-related or if it's something else. It could be any number of things. Remember that his GI system is very immature. So like adults, some things, food or shocks, anything else, some things that bother one baby doesn't mean that that substance or food will bother another baby. If the baby doesn't have any other symptoms, it's likely that nursing him will actually make him feel better, not worse. Most of us like to eat. Most of us like comfort. Certainly, nursing is both food and comfort. Again, look for other reasons for those fussy moments. Maybe it is that the baby is too warm, or maybe he's too cool, or maybe he has a dirty diaper, or an ear infection, or nasal congestion. Maybe he's overstimulated. There are too many lights, or too much noise, or too many kids in the background. Your teenagers are having a party, or whatever. Or maybe he's understimulated. Maybe he needs to be held, and cuddled, and looked at, and talked to. And that's okay, too. I should also mention just one other thing that I forgot to mention. It's not a food, so I wasn't thinking about it. But alcohol does pass into the mother's system, and it does go into her milk. So I give you that as a caution. The amount of alcohol that is in the mother's bloodstream is the same amount that would be in her milk. So remember that if you feel a little bit woozy, then it means that your milk could make your baby feel a little bit woozy. I know it's kind of the opposite of what we're talking about. We tended to talk about fussiness, but I just wanted to offer that caution to you. But let's assume that it really is something you ate. Let's look at some ways to deal with that. And the first thing that I would suggest is wait or wait and watch or maybe try something. For example, the first thing that I would think of if I really believed that my baby was allergic to something, the something that would pop to my mind would be allergy to cow's milk protein. So I would really look at, am I drinking milk? Am I drinking a lot of milk? Am I drinking milk and eating yogurt and, 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 because there are so many hidden sources of dairy that are in our diets. I would recommend, and this is what I recommend, and I'm not sure if I've got solid science. I've got some science to back this up. I usually suggest that a mother cut out what she thinks is one offending food for four days and then see what happens. Then add back into her diet the one thing that she likes most. So one woman told me a while ago, I really missed my uh carton of yogurt and you you know those little cartons they're only six ounces anyway well it turns out that she could add back in the carton of yogurt and that was fine but she couldn't necessarily have all of the dairy that she had been consuming if so this is a good move here's another thing you can do is just wait just wait and see 
you may find that when the baby is six months old, the baby outgrows that allergy. So even if it bothered him when he was six weeks old, it won't necessarily bother him when he's six months old. And so you can go back to eating the whatever. And again, I would urge you, just add just a little bit of that food at once, not a whole ton. But honestly, if a baby really has a severe sensitivity, it may be three years or so before he or she grows out of it. Now, here's one of the best kept secrets. How about massage for a baby who has tummy trouble? Get a load of this wonderful massage called the I Love You Massage, I-L-O-V-E-Y-O-U. And the woman who does this shows you why she uses those letters, because those letters are descriptive of how she does the massage. And it's on YouTube. I will provide that link for you on my site so that you can watch it. I think you'll find it useful. The fourth strategy is to consider some what I would call non-food reasons for skin allergies. Maybe it's soap. Maybe it's laundry detergent. It could be other things like disposable diapers or those baby wipes. It could be environmental issues. We talked a little bit about foods that have been exposed to chemicals or perhaps antibiotics. Sometimes it's something as simple on as a coating on a vitamin or on other medications. It might be, are you ready for this? Animal hair has nothing to do with what the baby is eating. But it could also be, for example, something that is animal hair, i.e. a wool allergy, as I mentioned with that one baby that I was talking with you about. So I would look at those four main strategies. Eat what you want, as much as you want, and don't worry about it. Second would believe would be manage the fussiness. Third, if it's something you ate, then find some ways to deal with it, including massage, which I think can be extremely effective, and I would urge you to look at that video. And finally, consider non-food reasons for the skin allergy. That's all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to Born to be Breastfed. I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week. Please visit my website. That's at borntobebreastfed.com. There I'll give you the link that I mentioned in today's show, and I'll give you a preview for what's coming up next week. And if you are interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. Again, that website is borntobebreastfed.com. I'm Marie Biancuzzo, and I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 